back to another episode of the Pinstripe Perspective podcast. Today we have another episode of NYY Takes from MLB on Clubhouse. We had the same familiar faces talking about the Aaron Boone extension, the next hitting coach, more free agency talk. Masahiro Tanaka came up and Drelton Simmons came up. Carlos Correa came up. I would also like to give a quick thank you to Hugh McKenna, who works with me at Pinstriped Prospects, for joining us today. It's always good to get another voice on these clubhouse conversations. Hope you all enjoy this one. It's a bit longer than usual, but there's a lot of good stuff in here. Um, So yeah, without further ado, NYY Takes and Go Yanks. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of MIY Takes, the New York Yankees room on MLB on CH. My name is Cameron Tell, and I'm joined every week by my co-host, Robert Coles. We are part of Standing Room Only, a new sports media venture that we started up. You can give us a follow at SRO Baseball and our new account at SRO Hoops underscore because we are also covering the NBA this season. We're really excited to do so. You can find the baseball accounts if you look at that blue icon in the follow by a speaker section. It'll link out to both our Twitter and our Instagram. And you can sh- check out the morning show that we do Red Eye Rundown when we look at baseball and pretty soon basketball through a more humorous lens. So if you have time, we'd appreciate it if you took a view of that. On MLB and CH, we are still covering the ALCS and NLCS wall-to-wall. So look out on our schedule for both pregame shows and postgame shows here on MLB on CH. Coles and I are also writers for Pinstripe Perspective, so you can find our work on pinstripeperspective.com. And as always, this will be posted as a full episode of the Pinstripe Perspective podcast in its entirety tomorrow. We start off every room by asking Yankees fans this question. Are you happy today? Robert Coles, are you happy today? Not any less happy or more happy uh, than I was in the past two weeks. I think I expected Aaron Boone to be returning, so I'm kind of, you know, shrug on that whole entire thing. I'm happy for reasons not involving baseball. I'm happy that basketball is back. I'm a big Nets fan, so it should be a fun season. But yeah, pretty, pretty neutral in this whole situation. Aaron Boone's back, apparently for three years. So, you know, I guess we're going to keep going. Good, man. I'm happy today. Uh, since we got the news, Aaron Boone's coming back. Now it's time to look forward to the offseason. Hopefully they can get him some help. I don't believe it's all of his fault. I wanted an old school manager. You guys all know that, but it is what it is. I mean, Cash said in his press conference, they weren't going to let uh, leave from Aaron Boone. So, you know, here it is. Uh, let the offseason begin. Cash can talk. He had rest. Shortstop is in need. So hopefully uh, they make our dream come true this offseason. And I'm happy. So let's get it rolling. Let's see what we got. Hugh, welcome to the room. It's nice to have you. And for you guys who don't know, Hugh McKenna is a writer and social media contributor for Pinstripe Prospects, which is also um, related to Pinstripe Perspective. He covers the AA team, uh, the Hudson Valley Renegades, and does a great job doing that. Welcome to the room. And as a Yankee fan, are you happy today? I'm, you know, kind of neutral on uh, the whole thing with Boone. I don't think he was entirely the problem, but uh, I just think that the firings of the other coaches was almost just kind of um, eyewash to me. Uh, unless there's major changes or shakeup in the front office. Um, a lot of this has to deal with Cashman, I feel like, and Hal Steinbrenner. But, uh, 
you know, I was a little shocked that he got a three-year extension, three-year deal plus a, a one-year option to make it four years, which seems like a lot of time. So they really trying to go down with the ship, I guess. But other than that, you know, um, just kind of looking forward to see what happens this offseason because they definitely need to make some serious changes. Max, how are you feeling? And I got a chance for you. Please do not use the word New York Knicks when you answer the question. Thank you. Yeah, I, I was about to, that was going to be the first three words out of my mouth. So it's good you said that. I would say I'm somewhat indifferent. I know I've been looking online. A lot of fans seem happy with the news about the three-year extension. Uh, I see Boston fan 224 said, as an honest Yankee fan, I'm thrilled that Boone is back in charge. And also uh, Carlos Correa for life online is very happy that Boone is back. So clearly online support is pretty high for Aaron Boone. But I, I guess we'll talk about it later. But my favorite part of the whole saga is how Cashman is sort of becoming like a movie villain-esque with his quote being like, how dare the fans question how and just several uh, quotes, which I think may have been purposeful to sort of put the attention on him. Indeed, there is a lot to talk about. So this room is titled The Manager Returns. And as we all know now, and as we've said in our opening, Aaron Boone signed a three-year contract to return to the Yankees. This after two weeks of what we think is deliberation amongst the front office and ownership trying to decide what they were going to do with the manager. Kind of unfortunate timing last week for our room MIY takes because Basically, the second we ended the room, the tweets started coming in. First, it was Marcus Timms, and then it was Phil Nevin, and then it was P.J. Pelletieri. All three coaches are not going to return to the team next year. Timms and Pelletieri were career Yankees uh, lifers, I guess, for lack of a better term. Both former players, Timms made it up to the major leagues. Pelletieri spent years in the minor league system with the Yankees, and both became coaches after retiring for the team. Phil Nevin was one of two coaches brought by Aaron Boone in 2017 to help him with his managerial duties. Phil Nevin, bit of a pariah for Yankees fans, and I think most third-base coaches are in fairness just because you don't really talk about them unless they have a bad send like um, in the wildcard game. Uh, Nevin sent a judge, obviously. But... Um, that was kind of the first reaction that I had, like, after we ended the room and the tweets started coming in, other than, oh, crap, like, really unfortunate timing. Um, we, we should have waited a few hours, and then we would have had a really, really fantastic room that day. But it is what it is. We'll see. Not what you want, as Aaron Boone might put it. But let's start there. And regardless of the Boone situation, when the news did break last week that the three coaches weren't coming back, how are you feeling at that time? Did that give you more optimism that Boone may not come back if you weren't a Boone supporter? Or did that kind of, in your eyes, seal his fate? Coles, we'll start with you. There was a moment when all of that was happening. The day that was happening, I remember Brendan Cuddy tweeted and I kind of did. I, I like hopped on in front of a mic and did a quick podcast on it. But Brendan Cuddy tweeted something along the lines of, the guys that have been fired and are no longer coaches for the Yankees were all Aaron Boone's guys. And now the Yankees are leaving it up to Boone as to whether or not he wants to come back and run it back with whoever they choose to hire. In that moment, that looked to me like the Yankees were trying to, in many ways, create some sort of um, narrative that 
they were letting Boone be the one to decide he didn't want to come back and then kind of make it a soft landing for everyone if they did quote unquote fire him or if Boone decided to part ways and go to the Padres or something. So that was the one moment there for about four hours where I thought there was a chance Boone wouldn't come back. Um, And then that kind of simmered down a little bit. And, you know, you realize now in hindsight, yeah, the the coaches, the coaches being fired was not very surprising. The underperforming does in many ways fall on the coaching there. um, And especially probably Marcus Thames. I know the players really liked him and have liked him for a long time, but you can't really have the underperformances you had on the Yankees team all season and not have someone be held accountable. And I think they, they even could have let him go mid season, but that's not how the Yankees roll. So that's kind of my whole takeaway is there were, there was a moment there where I thought Boone might not be coming back. And then I, I came to my senses within, within a few hours after thinking that. All right. So I kind of knew that Aaron Boone was coming back. Uh, I know it took a while. I know that Bill Nevin, you know, they never renewed his contract either with Marcus Thames. So I kind of knew that it took a while, but like Robert Fultz says, he left it in Aaron Boone's hands. I kind of knew Aaron Boone wasn't going to go to San Diego because San Diego looks like it's down to two candidates and I think it's Showalter and Mike Schultz. So I kind of knew Boone was coming back. And it doesn't make any sense to, fire, uh, to let Boone go if he walked away and you hire a 2.0 like a Beltran. It doesn't really make sense. And Jackson did say at the press conference. So really, it's not all on Boone, me as the Yankee fan. It's not all on Boone. I mean, the guys didn't hit. Uh, they figured out their flaws. They made a run. It was a roller coaster season. So now, uh, you know, hopefully Cashman and Steinbrenner, with, along with Boone and the analytics department, mostly, uh, they said they need to get more athletic. So hopefully they do that. Uh, they talked highly of Rizzo and Gary Sanchez, so I'm hoping they come back. Yeah, I just feel that um, my thoughts on the whole Boone thing is, uh, I don't know, I I kind of like a history buff, I guess, so I kind of try to t- tie it just to, like, um, just reminds me of, like, ancient ancient Rome, like, the bread and circus kind of stuff. It's just, like, they're just throwing people a bone to try to, like, almost really hide from the real problems that the, the team has. You know, there's a, a disconnect somewhere in the minor leagues, um, within the the aspect of the hitting situation um the minor leagues you could just tell i know their performance in the in the hitting with their hitting coaches and just their philosophy has definitely been much better than what's going on at the major league club and i know some of this is on the players and i know you know they didn't hit and you know but a lot of this has to do with cashman as well because he built this roster you know unfortunately whatever budget which we apparently operate under now that Hal has given him. So like it's a it's it, it trickles down from everybody at the top. So it's like they're just almost trying to, to throw us a bone by firing the other two coaches almost in my opinion to just kinda like not think that we aren't smart or we don't know what we're talking about to just kinda like hide what the real problems are go you know, going going on with the team. So I mean Boone it is what it is. I mean, I don't know. Um it's just like it doesn't really move the needle for me, I guess. And I, I was kind of in the camp of him not coming back just to try to maybe try a fresh start because he's had four years now already. Um, and, you know, the farthest that we've gotten with him as the manager hasn't even been as far as Joe Girardi got the team in 2017 in Game 7. So that's kind of where I'm standing on it right now. Um, 
as far as off-season moves. Uh, I would personally like to see Corey Seager on the team. I feel like he really uh, benefits the team and the roster and balances out the lineup as a lefty. Um, I would look to try to possibly move, um, you know, Luke Voigt. I mean, I don't know what value he really has. They, they should have really moved him last offseason the, the, when his value was at the highest. I mean, as much as I love Gio, I would consider even possibly looking in to see what they could get for him. If LeMayu can play third or, you know, obviously if they had signed Seager, he could kick to third when one of the young prospects is ready. But you can't have uh, your third baseman at a corner position where you have most of your power putting up like 14 home runs and 60 RBIs. Like I know he didn't, he was injured this year, but I just feel like, you know, you got to have a little bit more production than that. And uh, I'm in the camp of, you know, I don't think Gary Sanchez is a starter anymore. Um, I don't think it's worth paying him $8 million to be a backup catcher. Uh, so I would look to maybe upgrade there somehow. Uh, you know, it's it's all their problems seem to be up the middle and, and even at first base. So, I, I mean, they need – I don't trust Aaron Hicks to come back off major surgery, uh, you know, coming back. You know, he had Tommy John and he had this major wrist surgery that even Mark Teixeira said he never really fully recovered from. So that really terrifies me. So I would look to upgrade there as well. And um, – you know, uh, first base, obviously, I mean, I wouldn't mind Rizzo coming back, but, you know, I know we'll have to see how that goes. They seem to like him, and but, I mean, he already had turned down a big offer from the Cubs, so it depends on how that fits in with the budget. And I honestly don't really want to see the Yankees spend too much more money on their bullpen. I feel like that allocated funds needs to kind of, like, go away from that because, like, look at all the teams that are still playing, and they don't really have expensive bullpens, and... You know, they do need to add some depth with the tie-on situation, but um, sorry to be so long-winded, but that's kind of where I'm standing at with it right now. I am going to try to be really quick, um, and I'm going to sound like a Michael K. boy, but I'm fully on board with what he said and what he has been saying for the whole year, basically, and probably earlier than that. If um, if a manager or if anybody in any any type of job does what's expected from him and, and what he's being told to do. In this case, Aaron Boone's being told to follow the analytics and he's so locked in with it. Then firing a manager in a situation like that would, would be hypocritical, like uh, hypocrite, I'm sorry, would be, would not make sense whatsoever, would be, uh, the, the, the next manager would be Aaron, Aaron Boone 2.0 or, or, or a different version of him, but same thing in essence. And as a result of that, I feel for the first time in a little bit, uh, Toe, uh, I feel happy as a Yankee fan right now. Why? Because Aaron Boone is back. I don't think he was the issue. The issue was a poorly constructed roster, which we have discussed in the past many, many times. And on top of that, Brian Cashman, who is the one responsible for that for the construction of that roster took DL and went straight up, put his face out right there and said, my bad, this is my fault. There's a lot of stuff that I'm going to fix in this off season. And that's how we're going to move forward. I know that's a pretty, that's pretty broad and Castro is pretty, it's pretty smart in how he speaks. Um, and, and, and he speaks a lot, but as a Yankee fan, I am happy because now I feel confident that the, the changes, the, 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 fixes in different positions that you guys and we have all been talking about for a little bit 
I expect those to happen. Um, uh, moving forward, I expect a very different team, way more athletic team reporting to spring training in March. We'll see how it evolves. I know there's a CBA negotiations in the middle of the way and, and a lot of stuff can happen. But as a Yankee fan overall, and for those reasons, I'm happy. So let's talk about the press conference a little bit, because we finally heard from Cashman and Boone after two weeks of radio silence from the team. And we did talk about it a little bit last week that it was kind of odd, at least in my eyes, that it took that long to hear from anyone about anything regarding the postmortem on the Yankees season. But we did finally hear from them. And I have kind of conflicting views on what transpired. Because on one hand, like Luis said, I was happy to see Cashman and Boone take some responsibility for the underperformance of the players. Like, obviously, it's on the players to get themselves ready to play. It's on the coaches to help them with that process. But as leaders of the organization, obviously, accountability rests a lot more with them than anyone else per se. But at the same time, I did still feel that there was a little bit of arrogance, especially from Cashman, considering like the Yankees still have this whole we are the Yankees mentality. And I mean, as fans, you love it. I love it. And I don't want the Yankees to ever get rid of that because it's part of what makes the Yankees the Yankees. But that being said, however, it was almost like in this case, instead of just like being the usual braggadocious Yankees of the past and we are the Yankees, we are just simply a better organization than you. Like, take that as you will, but that's kind of the sense that I get usually. But I think it was almost a message to our own fans like this time around, kind of like, hey, guys, shut up. We're the Yankees. We got this. We'll be back next year. This year was an aberration. Just like shut up and let us do our jobs. And I don't know how I feel about that because on one hand, Cashman has a pretty good track record of fixing flaws of the team. I mean, we saw it at the deadline this year. We saw it in 2016. But at the same time, like fans never want to be talked down to that way. So I was wondering what we all thought about Cashman's performance in the press conference because, yeah, accountability is amazing. On the other hand, maybe he could have been a little bit softer in his messaging to the fans. But I don't know. Coles, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't really care too much about his messaging to the fans. I don't even want Brian Cashman to care about Yankees fans. I want him to care about putting the best product possible on the field. Because Yankee fans are going to be happy if the Yankees are winning. They do not, like, while now it's nice, it would maybe be nice to hear Cashman be a little softer to the fan base, I don't think that matters so much. The main vibe that I got from that presser was that Cashman is prepared and the Yankees generally seem ready to kind of get after it this offseason, which with making this team a lot better. I'm getting a, a lot of Death Star vibes from Cashman right now. I think he's angry. I think he's ready to pounce. And, and one thing is the luxury tax for the Yankees is going to reset this offseason. And that's going to allow Hal to start spending more, you would hope. So I think there is some hope that, the, that, that Hal is going to be willing to spend. I think Hal is also really annoyed by how well the Red Sox are doing. I think he's annoyed that the Rays won 100 games and won the division. Hal definitely hears the noise from the fan base and the media and everyone around him. I think the Yankees are out to prove something this offseason and kind of, you know, hopefully get back to their 
annoying Yankee ways where they buy championships. <laughs> I think that's what Yankee fans want at this point. Been waiting since 2017 for this team to finally come to fruition. And I think it's kind of all culminated in this offseason where you have a lot of players that you can add to put this team over the top. So that was my main takeaway. It looks like Cashman is, is motivated and a little pissed off, and, and that's the Cashman that I like. I can't wait. And, you know, Cole, you hit on the spot, me watching that press conference. You know, I remember I made a comment on that YouTube uh, press conference, and everybody's telling me, oh, Cashman is just, you know, hearsay. He's back to his old tricks again. He's going to talk and not do nothing. But I really do believe, I believe in Hell Steinbrenner and Cashman that they are pissed off. And I do believe that, you know, as a prospect, uh, you know, they're number seven ranked in prospect America. But in order for you to keep your prospects, now is the time to where, hey, there's free agents out there where you can build your team through free agency and just spend money. And I could really see Hell Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman giving the uh, authority from Halston and to Cashman to go out, pay, uh, go over the luxury tax, and you know fill up the holes that you need through free agency, and it really makes sense. Uh, you know, I know they talk about shortstops the need. Um, you know, talking about a catcher, uh, probably resigning hopefully a first baseman, which I don't want to. Like I said, I don't want to see Lemayhu or Voit um, at first. I do believe I think Lemayhu will play third, Glaber at second. You know. Um, I think get re-signed and Rizzo is key. Like I said, if we're if we're not getting two players in the catcher's market, Mitch Carver, Wilson, Contreras, then you're just better off keeping Gary Sanchez. But a lot of people got to remember, listen, the pitching staff, we need pitchers. And that could be through a trade market, or it could be through the free agency. And there's maybe one guy out there in the Yankees that actually liked him for years, and that's Robbie Ray. I mean, now is your chance to try to land him. If you could sign him away, I think he has a special relationship with uh, Mike Harkey, the bullpen coach. Um, they could really work by filling out a lot of holes through free agency. And, you know, everybody, you know, with Aaron Hicks, I know his contract, it's, it's actually, you know, flexible to where you can trade for him, but I don't know if somebody will. will. But they said they want to be more athletic and more speed. Well, Marte actually is the perfect example. He brings you speed. He brings you stolen bases. He brings you contact hitting. Uh, I don't believe Gallo's going anywhere. I, I wouldn't give up on him too much. I still love him as a defensive player. I think a full year in Yankee Stadium, full year with the Yankees, he really could hit the ball, uh, especially if he's batting like five or six. And I do believe in Gallo. Uh, I know he's one year away from free agency, so it might make sense maybe to trade him, but... I still believe in Gallo. You should keep him with Judge and Wright and Stanton five of playing DH. But center field, to me, I I really can't go with Aaron Hicks at center field. It's just it's mind-boggling, and I think Marte would be perfect. Like I said, I think Story at short is good. You got to get rid of Boyd. You got to get rid of Gio Urshela. If they do keep Gio Urshela, let him be a utility guy. I I cannot see Gio Urshela as the starting third baseman, I really can't. So they got some actually trade options where they could trade guys on Boyd and Urshela and maybe, uh, you know, hopefully if they want to attach a prospect or two and put Aaron Hicks in the deal. You know, like I said, Matt Olson could be an option in case Rizzo's gone because I'm not seeing LeMahieu at first and you have to go with Gio at third. It just You're bringing back the same team that you did last year except with the shortstop position. Now, the thing with Cashman, I do get worried – and they say a short gap 
yeah, I am worried about that. If they're not going to spend long term on a shortstop, and they end up with a guy like Alton and Simmons, or you know, like I said, the biggest plus in free agency could be Marcus Simmons if he goes back to shortstop. You know, really, I don't want to see these guys. If you get a true shortstop, they can commit to, which is Story or Seager. My dream is Correa. You all know that, but I'm being realistic here. They're not going to spend $300 million on a Carlos Correa. But I'm just saying, you can't come back with a same team. You just really, really, really can't. You know, here, you want to get athletic? You want to get speed? You want to change the team? You want to help Aaron Boone? This is your chance now. Get him a pitching staff. You know, get athletic. This is your time now. Here, just shut up everybody and show them that you're spending ways the way Steinbrenner, his father, used to do it. And I, I, I'll fully respect, I still respect Steinbrenner, but I'll fully respect him to the, you know, to the earth. <laughs> and where, if he spends money, I would love it. And I don't think Cashman's going anywhere, even though he has one year left. As far as Cashman feeling like arrogant or, anything, or something like that, I kind of agree with uh, Coles. Uh, I feel him a little, you know, with some hunger right there, like like uh, fire to just punch back uh, and and be the team we all want them to be. Um, the only thing I I kind of feel, and I, and I've been feeling uncomfortable with for a little bit, is just like there's a GM, there's a manager, there's there's coaches which are faces that are blamed. Or, at certain spots uh, due to the performance of the team, just like the players, there should be, I believe nowadays on every single team, not only the Yankees, a face of the analytics office. Because I'm not saying analytics are bad, don't get me wrong or anything like that. That's the way the game is played right now and there's no way around it. Um, the team is heavily analytical. And if the manager is executing that, analytics office or those guidelines um, and he's so locked in with it there should be another face also in the analytics department that's might come out and say hey you know what that lineup with Rizzo first and Gallo fourth yeah that's what we came up with but my bad you know what I mean this is my office I am the head of it I'm responsible for it my bad didn't work this time around there's no face to be blamed uh, for it and therefore there's this fan base thing where they just want to cut somebody's head like the manager or the GM, etc. There's not a specific face in the analytics department to be playing for, for stuff like this. That would be the only thing. So Luis, I just want to, cause I think you're right. And I think you make a, a good point in that the reason Hal Steinbrenner and a big reason Hal Steinbrenner appears to like Brian Cashman and appears to like Aaron Boone as his manager is because Brian Cashman takes every single ounce of blame for basically everything wrong with the team alongside Aaron Boone. And, and, and a lot of that goes away from Hal and a lot of it goes away from any other specific names that might be in the Yankees analytics department. Like you can look up the head of the, the, the director of quantitative analysis for the Yankees, like, all that's there, but what the Yankees love are fall guys and guys that can take the punches. And all Boone has been since coming to the Yankees is a punching bag for basically everything that's gone wrong. And that's the same thing with Cashman. And I think that's what Hal likes, and that's what the Yankees like, is having guys that sit there, do their job, are able to take the hate and, and take the noise and keep pushing forward. So I think, you know, your frustration there is exactly what the Yankees want. I mean, they want you to be blaming 
one guy as opposed they, they want you to be blaming someone like Boone or Cashman as opposed to blaming uh, someone else because they know Boone and Cashman are good at taking the blame and willing to take the blame and it's and it's just a huge part of their job at you know just being a part of the Yankees yeah but I mean uh, yeah that, that makes a lot of sense um, but I really I really liked uh, Dave Roberts press conference uh, when he was asked about Corey Knebel, uh starting that second game uh, sorry as an opener for that second game in the playoffs um, I don't think there's anything wrong in the manager saying, hey, there's there's a head up there, way up there, that voted for this, and I only have one vote. So when I'm outvoted, we go with whatever the majority of the people say. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know what I mean? Instead of just Roberts saying, hey, I, I'm so locked in with this, uh, uh, defending the point of the, of the analytics department, well, he might not be necessarily you know, in agreement with that particular decision that's being criticized at that particular moment. So that's that's why I kind of feel like there's that other face that should be part of the of of the of the popular faces or the faces out there that took responsibility for the good and the bad results of the team besides of the player, the manager, and the GM. But yeah, that that makes sense, Coles. Yeah, I just um, you know just to touch base on the press conference and stuff with uh with Cashman, uh, you know. I feel like a lot of times Cashman, he does say, like, you know, it's his fault, but sometimes he's even stubborn to kind of make admit his own mistakes. So the fact that he actually came out and said that we need to upgrade at shortstop, like that Calabria Torres is not a shortstop anymore, was, was promising, I feel like. But um, the thing that annoyed me even a little bit with Boone and the press conference and Cashman was with the whole thing about the fan. Like, I feel like they were not, like, totally attacking the fans but I feel like they were kind of like letting it know and like hey like almost like they can hear what you're saying because when they brought up the whole thing about you know the who's running the show the strings with like the scarecrow or the boogeyman that they were talking about and um the one thing that with Cashman in the press conference that did kind of annoy me is like I understand that um you know the Yankees spend money and everything like that, and they have it at their access, and they can do it. And I know that money doesn't buy you a championship. Like you have to develop players, and in the way that the the way it works now with revenue sharing, everything like that. And the only time it really worked for the Yankees was in 2009, and that was it really. But they don't seem to flex their muscle as much as they used to, where you need it to be. And they set themselves in a budget where, like right now, if you look at it their compared payrolls their literally payroll is the same payroll as 2005 was so you know obviously revenue has gone up in that time frame and like at that time like almost 70 percent of the total revenue was going into the team but now only like 30 percent of that is going to the team so like that's almost like where a thing where like is it like you got to kind of almost hold house feet to the fire a little bit there like I understand he spends money but at the same time you know I just feel like it's like they're trying to think that they're they're almost like the smartest guy in the room kind of thing but it's like we're not <clears throat> we're not uh fans that don't know what we're talking about like and and I feel like even with the Dodgers like you know they're so well at run at what they're doing because of their analytic department like uh Luis said you know and everything like that that but they also flex their money where like, I feel like right now for us, 
we should be flexing our money more because of the re the reason that we're in this window that they say and you know we signed Garrett Cole to this big time contract and you have Giancarlo Stanton and you know there's a point to like you shouldn't be like cutting your costs and I understand to reset the luxury tax but when you're in the middle of this like it's like you got to almost do what the Dodgers have done and just like go for it and do whatever it takes like you know they've the, the main issue that I have with them, like even people talk about the championships aspect of it, is that they've only won two division titles since 2010. So that's where my major issue is. It's like we are having trouble just even uh, winning our own division at that point. And I understand our division is very tough, but two division titles, you know, and everyone's saying championship and all that stuff, which is disappointing too. But the division thing is, is something that's really – it irritates me more because we're all you're not that you're not in the playoffs but the wild card game is just such a crapshoot like it's just you never know like like what happened with Cole like you just can have one bad start and then your season's over so like I just I hate the I, I hate playing in the wild card game I understand that you you know you got to be in it to win it but that's where my focus needs to be is like we need to start focusing our attention on winning the division again and trying to get ourselves set up for the playoffs so um that's you know that's where i'm i'm feeling with it too and um i know uh it's a little off topic but just to, to uh give a little prospect report on uh austin wells uh he was he's playing in the arizona fall league with a few of our other players and yesterday he actually went uh four for five and he was a, a home run short of the cycle so um if he's gonna hit i think they're gonna keep him at catcher so that's like another option, you know, for us. Um, but I mean, that's just kind of where I feel about what everything else is going on and things like that. So, was he the pick um, over in the 2015 draft over uh, Bueller and uh, I think it was Cabrian Hayes? Uh, he was drafted in 2019, I believe it was, or maybe, yeah, 19. Okay, so. 20. So yeah, he just—it's like his second okay. year. Well, he played all four years uh, in college, so he's already kind of seasoned as it is. But from Arizona, right. but the problem with him is that can he—he he can hit enough, but is like—is he able to stay at the position at catcher? So like, I feel like they seem like they're confident at keeping him there, but I don't know uh, how they're gonna work it out. I mean, I think there is other options. I mean, I think the best option at catcher for them is Antonio Gomez, who's a big time prospect down there in, in the minor leagues. And, um, you know, but I, I think Wells is, is a solid player. And I mean, him doing well in the Arizona fall, he can only boost his stock and, and look good for us in the future. So. Yeah, that's very good with Austin Wells and how he's looking good in the Arizona fall league. But I'll pass. Is it you go with Sanchez or you go get Mitch Garber? Wilson as far as I don't want to hear about no prospects. Not worth it. I don't want to hear about the prospect of the shortstop or the catcher. Not at all. Oh yeah, I, I wasn't saying like for him to play now. I was just kind of giving an update on on how his pro, his pro, progression was going. Like I definitely am with you that they need to either bring in a veteran catcher or um, you know make a trade. I know like someone like uh, he might not be the most flashiest guy, but like like Tucker Barnhart's a solid catcher that can maybe get him. They've always dealt with the Reds pretty well. Um, so that's another yeah. option too, but a, I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm just, I'm like, I'm definitely with you. Like they either need to, either need to like cut ties with 
with Sanchez and the Higashioka situation or bring in someone and keep Gary as a backup or, you know, I just feel like that, that position is definitely, like you said, a need and the shortstop situation has to be upgraded big time. And, uh, you know, that's how I feel about it. I would say the the one thing I would remind, or, or I, I have been reminding all my friends, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm in the same boat. I think they should part way, ways with Gary Sanchez. But if Gary Sanchez comes back and bites us back, which is what, what they've been fearing all the time, uh, let's just not put him in the same back as Whitlock, for example, right now. Everybody's going crazy, like, oh, Whitlock is just biting us back. How come did you let him go? Well, he probably looked injury-wise. Um, and performance-wise, just like Gary Sanchez is looking right now, and they just gave up in him, on him. You know that stuff. That stuff happens. So, like, if if he goes to a race and and you find him again, and then he's a star, then okay, that's the gamble we took. You know what I mean? But th- let's not criticize the front office down the road if that happens, because I think we all agree that it that we just lost. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's. I feel like they've given him enough time now. It's been since 2016. You know, they've given him plenty enough time and opportunities to, you know, take over the job and, and become a the player that he was projected to be. And it's just like I feel like he's maybe gotten he has gotten a bit better defensively, but the regression with the hitting has been and has been a big problem for them. But just like what you said, Luis, to touch on the the Garrett Whitlock situation that's what in a way kind of scares me with the Yankees with their whole 40 man situation. That's another scenario going into this off season that they didn't protect Whitlock. Like I understand he was coming off Tommy John surgery, but he was one of their more highly rated prospects when he was coming up through double a at the time. And, and I know you can't expect the way that he is, but the thing that bothers me is like they decided to keep Brooks, Brooks Krisky and Nick Nelson over him where I feel like his arm was way more, uh, powerful and he was a higher uh, prospected player than those guys were and that's what scares me about this offseason because there's a big time 40-man crunch where they have to protect guys you know like someone like Everson Pereira who's a very highly rated prospect and outfielder Um, you know they got to protect Josh Bro or or make the trade Uh, Oswald Cabrera who's had a a great season in in triple and double a and went up to triple a this year so like it's like that's what's that's one of the major things that scares me with part of the off season too is like who's running the show with the analytics like what analytic guy was the one that decided to say like oh just let him go like or who missed out on that and and I understand that Ottavino was more of a salary dump but there's part of analytics that play in that too like where I understand they were trying to save some money because of the budget situation but he he had just been coming off almost a down season it's not like he had been terrible here the whole time and and now, obviously, he's had a bounce-back season with Boston, and, and, and that's like, it's almost like we kind of built Boston's back into their bullpen, and it just kind of, like, makes you kind of angry at some point. of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, what I'm, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is just it's way easier to analyze those situations right now that everything happened and we saw the result. But at the time that the front office made that decision, you know, we got to give them a little credit, too, because, you know, although there were mistakes, you know, that stuff happens, like, I wouldn't give you a penny for Ottavino after last year, like whatsoever, like let him go all the time. The only thing I could criticize is just don't give him to the Red Sox. Cool, that part I get. But like, you know, maybe Whitlock, you know, coming back from uh, uh, Tommy John's surgery, there's a lot of stuff in there that we don't see. Um, and, and and maybe there was, it, you, you could make the case just to release him and it just 
didn't work out. You know, stuff happens and happens a lot. Uh, not only to the Yankees, but happens to a lot, a lot, a lot of teams. So, like, I'm, again, the point that I'm trying to make is, like, let's bring those mistakes from Cashman and the front office into consideration, but let's not overreact for that because every, it happens on every team. Every team, you know, at some point lets some prospects go. Jesus Montero is another example, very well-protected best, best catcher ever, like super, super talented, etc. Turn out to be, you know, out of the game, basically. No no one remembers him. So, you know, the stuff with prospects can go left or right and, and we should give them the weight that it really it really needs, not not more or less. Yeah, I mean I definitely agree. It's just it's this this year is very uh interesting and even from last year it's like because the kids Basically, I've, they've all lost a year of development, basically, because of the, the no season with the COVID stuff going on. So, like, it's like, that's a touchy subject. You have to kind of, like, walk a thin thin line on, too. And, you know, uh, I feel like that's a scenario that it, it's hard to tell, like, you know, with, you know, like someone like, for example, like Peraza, like, he started in, in high A this year where he probably should have started in double A and then he did make it to triple A. But, you know, I mean, I digress, but... Uh, just like I feel like uh, that's where like I do understand like there is decisions where that's where I feel like they're not like your point about letting guys go. It's like I feel like they're to agree with you. They're not doing that. We're like with Sanchez per se, because like they've had given him enough time now. So it's like if he does leave and he burns you, then like then it's you can't say like you didn't give him a chance or opportunity. He's been on the team since 2016 in the second half. And and that's where I feel like they're almost afraid to let him go at that point or what I don't know what it is but I just feel like I can't if you're going to be if they're going to be a team where they're still trying to allocate funds and and be under somewhat of a budget I just can't personally see myself paying a catcher eight million dollars to be a backup on the team like that just can't happen I feel like so I I agree with you uh going to the point about prospect uh, evaluation specifically with I feel like the Yankees don't have a great track record in evaluating pitching and just even their pitching prospects. I, I give them the benefit of the doubt when it comes to non-pitching players and prospects, but with pitching, like I've seen multiple instances like Garrett Whitlock with a side that have shown that the Yankees are not great at evaluating pitching. So what I could see them doing this off season is uh, sort of going for maybe a higher priced pitcher. And I've heard, regarding shortstop that the Yankees really, really, really like Angelton Simmons and they may go all in for him because oh he's cheap. Well, yeah, apparently uh, Cashman's in love with Angelton's really likes him. So we'll see if that uh, happens and then they could spend other money on pitching, but. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I'm not be allowed to be mentioning this. <laughs> I'm not hearing it. Yeah, I just, I feel like if they do that, I feel like that's going to be like, uh, if they're trying to do the stopgap situation, like that's what scares me about the way that, like I know that the Yankees are, like like Cole said, that they're going to flex their money, but it's like it there's a there's a hesitation with them doing that now because like, in other off seasons, you'd be like, yeah, we're, like we're going to sign this guy, and like, and I know that you're not going to sign every single guy, but 
it almost to me feels like what other opportunity you have like four like almost all you have four definite all-stars and and Correa and Seager who are like top tier guys and even someone like Story I just feel like for them as an offensive team and and like I said Steve my my the guy I, I mean I want is, is Seager that's my like my personal opinion I feel like, like just like I said his 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 bat plays in Yankee Stadium he's a solid hitter he's a, he makes contact he doesn't strike out a ton obviously his defense isn't that great but like you could kick him over to third base when one of the younger guys is ready in Peraza in another year maybe or so or or you know Volpe whenever he's ready and and that's that's where I'm kind of at with it like with that and I just feel like if they walk into the season next year with Anderson Simmons like it's going to be like um uh, it's just going to be like a I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know how the fans are going to react to that. But I, I get, I definitely can see Max, like what you said, because uh, I know that he definitely liked him for a very long time, even when he was with the Braves. So, I mean, they almost traded for him when they almost traded Judge that time to get him when he were going to get Jason Hayward. So, I mean, that's like you said, you definitely know that he does love. I totally agree, and also going back to your. Gary point and not wanting to pay a backup catcher that much. I totally agree with that too. And even besides that fact, I feel like it's just a massive distraction to have a backup catcher who he's essentially the whipping boy of Yankees fans, Gary Sanchez. Like when he doesn't play, it's a story. When he plays, it's a story. Like he's expensive and he's always in like the New York Post. Like it, it just takes too much attention away from the good parts of the team. And a lot of that isn't Gary's fault. Like, whenever there's a pass ball, like, it happens to a catcher. With him, it becomes, like, the top story on Twitter. So I think from that standpoint, it makes sense to move on. Just, it's expensive. He's likely not going to start every game. And he's just a bigger story than he should. Yeah, I just, I feel like, like you said, too, like, on him, like, he definitely has become, like, the whipping boy, as they say, or whatever. But, like, uh, it's just, like, you can't. You can't justify even paying that much money where, like, if you're in a one-game playoff game, do or die, and he can't even catch in the game as a as a highly paid player in the team. Like, that's just, you know, that was crazy. Like, even that lineup in the – I know we're going all, off tangent, but, like, that lineup in the wild card game was just crazy. The bottom half of that lineup, that's not a Yankee lineup that you would expect to to really, like, you know, knock knock the ball around the park, especially in Fenway. But, like – and that and that's kind of goes to my thing with, like, what everyone was saying about about getting like someone like uh you know Wilson Contreras or um bringing in um Garver like with my thing with with Cole now too like to touch on his base like he I feel like Cole hasn't earned the right to come in next year and say I want a personal catcher with the way he finished the season this year so like I feel like when it goes into spring training it's like he either needs to start to learn to catch with somebody else or like whoever's gonna be the starting catcher like you can't have this like I am. I kind of despise personal catchers. That like I don't really like it, but I do understand it. Like in a way, but like, and I, maybe the pitchers don't like to throw to him or what the story is. But I feel like Higashioka behind the plate isn't much of an upgrade, or let alone, you know, that that great. I don't think he calls the game a, ga- a great game. I mean, apparently Cole seems to like throwing to him, but he can't throw out runners. They just like steal at will on him, and like that's why I feel like like we were saying we definitely have to upgrade somewhere. Like. And and that's the scary thing too about this team and the way that they are. They they're very like hamstrung at certain positions, but like where you have to be the strongest is like up the middle, and they have a lot of problems up the middle at catcher, shortstop, center field, 
you know, so that's um, an issue. And, and like you said too, Max, like we definitely need to figure out like uh, to get some pitching depth too. Now, I, like does someone like a John Gray type, like they need to find like a, the Yankees need to find like their Nick Pavetta kind of guy. Like they found him a little bit with Nestor Cortez, but like they need to find more guys like that. And that's what we said, like the analytics aspect of it. Like who's running the show? Like is Michael Fishman doing the right thing? I feel like he needs to be questioned about it if he's running the whole analytic department and trying to find like they the Yankees have always done a good job, like even agreeing with you, that where they found they were able to find good middle relief pitching and they just can never seem to and relievers, but they can never seem to develop any of those guys into like true ace starters. Like the only one that has been somewhat effective has been Severino before he got hurt. So, you know, and 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 everyone else is either like Batantis was a well-regarded starting pitcher. He ended up in the bullpen. I think Michael King is well-regarded, but I feel like his uh, best place is to be in the bullpen, things like that. So I know it's the hardest thing in baseball to do is to develop starting pitching, but I feel like the Yankees have such a problem with it. And then whenever they do seem to go out to kind of throw throw tape on it or block the holes with like these big starters, it, it sometimes doesn't seem to always work out for them. And and with Cole too, like it's like two years now we've had Garrett Cole and I understand one's been COVID COVID years, but we haven't even had him pitch one game in the Bronx in the playoffs yet. And like that's just like really irritating to me. Yeah, it's it's crazy that I pretty much every analytics person I follow anywhere loved Nick Pavetta's upside. I mean, he wasn't good in Philly, but they loved him as like a cheap flyer last year. And the Yankees, instead of going with that cheap flyer, decided to trade a bunch of prospects for Jamison Tyone. And like, there's just decisions like that, which make me question too. Like, as I said, their evaluation of pitching, like what's our analytics department doing? If every analytics person pretty much in the world seems to like Nick Pavetta, but the Yankees clearly didn't like him enough to go after him. So clearly they're using different metrics than like fan graphs and the regular people, but they're not working. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, I guess, I guess there's, I guess there's a little other coaching news now, I guess uh, just coming out uh, that Reggie Willits is going to leave the coaching staff now to, uh, to go, to Oklahoma, but I guess to coach there or, or go home. But um, so that's a first base coach that we're down now as well too. So I guess we're gonna have to figure out who they're gonna bring in there. Like I, I rather them even hire the hitting coach from someone inside. Like I like Rachel Balkovic. I feel like she she deserves a shot. Um, she really relates well with the the Latin ball players very well, and and I know I think she knows what she's doing. Um, you know they might even bring in the, the head of the hitting minor league department to take over the job too. But I feel like she she's put her time in and, and you know, why not give a, a woman a shot to try to to try to, you know, see what she can do. I mean, she knows her stuff. She's very uh, knowledgeable and she really believes highly in analytics and, you know, and very in depth, like with the, the data and stats of how to, you know, attack teams. And that's the thing with the Yankees, like their whole minor league approach with the hitting approach is like, you know, see ball hit ball like you know like hunt for a fastball like or whatever whatever pitch it is like sw like do damage put it in play kind of thing where like i feel like some of our approach up here was like kind of tentative like to like see more pitches which is like things like that but i feel like we need to start being a bit more aggressive um in our approach at the plate and and things like that because like obviously 
we were down our we had one of the lowest uh, swing rates this year but at the same time we still hit into 50 double plays and you know we struck out a ton but that's just going to happen in today's game but I, I feel like that's where I'm kind of feeling about with who should take over in the in the hitting department I mean you guys were talking on uh, pitching staff in regards to Tyone and Pavetta uh, you got to understand something Pavetta was bad in Philadelphia and I know Boston, you know, hit gold when they got him. But, you know, when you guys were talking about John Gray as, a, you know, maybe a guy we can get, I don't think John Gray would fit well here in Yankee Stadium. Uh, he didn't even – he was okay in Colorado. But when you look at the overall package of Jameson Tyone, I was very happy when we traded for him. I know they tried to get him and Musgrove, Joe Musgrove, but – uh, I was happy about we got Tyone. I think he could pitch. I just think, uh, you know, his first year it was very up and down. His first uh, first half was bad. But then second half he picked it up, and then, you know, he got hurt. But I think a second go-around with Tyone next year, maybe missing the first month of the season, I think Tyone could really bounce back. Uh, Pavetta, to be honest, uh, I know they hit gold Boston, but if you look at his track record, he was real bad in Philadelphia. So, I mean, that was my take. Uh, I'm just hoping they can acquire some starters where they're legit starters to where they can pitch behind Cole because we really need it. You know, keep Monty with Tyone. I don't want Nestor Cortez in the rotation. I'd rather have him in the bullpen. And uh, I don't want to see Severino back in the rotation. I'd rather see him uh, stay in the bullpen. I think he found his niche. But uh, Yankees got to go after, like, Two highly good starters, in my opinion, and I'm hoping Robbie Ray's one. But my dream is Luis Castillo from the Reds and Hermar Marquez from the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, I, I was, I guess my, my, my like Pavetta thing was just saying like finding guys like, like we none of us could have expected Nestor Cortez to basically be our number two starter this year. So like that was a positive, but like finding more, and I know I definitely agree. Like Pavetta has had been terrible, but like. You know, like they made a, a shrewd move. Like they traded two two relievers basically to take a flyer on them, and I feel like they, you know, like you said, struck gold with that. But like we, I feel like we also struck gold with, with uh, with Cortez this year. So like, that that's the thing where like I feel like they need to. I don't want to say like take more risks like that, but they got to find those like like, for example, like perfect example, Stephen Ridings. Like they found him. He was a substitute teacher, and obviously he ended up getting hurt. But like. Here he is coming out of the bullpen like this year, throwing like gas like a hundred something miles an hour, and you're like, where the hell did this guy come from? So, like that's a positive sign, and that, and that goes back to like where I feel like the Yankees do have a strength in developing relief pitching arms, but they gotta try to figure out maybe hopefully with the Cressy thing that they can find more uh, arms. Like, and I and I don't think I don't think Kluber was was terrible this season, but you know that he was he's always been injury prone. So like I would rather see them kind of go after more of like a more proven player like and I, I do I was happy with the tie on move like I, I liked the trade at the time and you know it was going to take him time to get back into his groove after being off for another year from not pitching and obviously towards the middle of the season and towards the end he you know he, he ended up having a really good season except for he got hurt but like we wouldn't have gotten into the playoffs this year or the wild card game without him pitching those four innings on a bum ankle so like that shows some guts too. Like I feel like he's a tough kid. Like he has the mentality to pitch here. You know, he's a cancer survivor, two-time Tommy John surgery. Like 
you know, he definitely has the the mental makeup to pitch here. Like, and that's another issue, like for players too. Like, the New York market is is tough to pitch here. Like, I wouldn't even mind seeing the Yankees going after someone like Marcus Stroman. Like, he's pitched here in New York. He knows what he's doing. He just eats innings. Like, he might not be the best pitcher, but like I know Cashman said, oh, he wasn't a difference maker. But you need guys like that to go to go in in this market. That's what I feel like. Hey, I respect. Um, not Marcus Stroman. Marcus Stroman's a bad will be a bad acquisition, believe me. I mean, we watched him in Toronto with the Mets. He's not a difference maker. Cashman was right. He really isn't. Yes, he eats innings and stuff, but I don't want him in New York. You know, another you know undercover reliever that we got was Clay Holmes. Uh, you know, Clay Holmes was perfect. Uh, I know Whitlock ended up you know going to the Red Sox, but. Um, uh, Marcus Stroman, I'll stay away as far as possible. If Noah Syndergaard is available, I'm taking Noah Syndergaard if he ends up leaving the map. But going back to sort of like the Yankees' valuation with pitching, one, I agree with you regarding Nick Pavetta. Like, Nick Pavetta's numbers weren't good in Philly, but all of his peripherals were good, and he throws 98 miles per hour. So that's like the perfect guy to take a flyer on to see what he can be. And like, Looking back just through the history, like why did we let Lance Lynn leave three years and $30 million and that became one of the best contracts in baseball? Like I thought he was pretty good for us and then we just let him walk. Like that would have been a perfectly cheap solution to a lot of our issues. So I just wish our on the margins pitching moves were better and we didn't need to rely on like Garrett Cole huge contracts to build. Yeah, definitely. Like, they decided to go with Jay Happ over Lance Lynn, where I feel like they, you know, at the time, we were all like, yeah, it wasn't great. But, I mean, I, I still feel like Lynn was a, a better pitcher than he was than Happ, and obviously it worked out that way. So, but that is totally, I totally agree with you, Max. Like, they need to find guys. Like, do they go after, I mean, I obviously don't, I know Scherzer's going to be a free agent, but they're not going to go after Scherzer. But, like, do they go after another situation, like a Kluber? Like, would Verlander come and pitch here off? He's going to be a free agent. I know he's coming off surgery. Does he want to stay in Houston? I mean, there is arms out there that they can find or make trades for. I mean, it's not like they haven't so done it before. That's what I wanted to, to jump in, Toe. I don't know if this is going to take longer, but I want to read real quick a list of uh, starting pitcher uh, free agents this like coming up. Um, go for it. Here we go. Granke, Bauer, Verlander, Kershaw, Scherzer, Cueto, Stroman, Gossman, Jusei Kikuchi, Alex Cobb, Danny Duffy, Corey Kluber, Drew Smiley, Carlos Martinez, uh, Michael Pineda, Noah Syndergaard, Zach Davies. Who do you think uh, could be a good candidate for second well, there are a lot of guys that you just mentioned that I would like to have. It's uh, obviously right. a question of how realistic would it be. Like Noah Syndergaard, for example, I think could be worth taking a flyer on, but I don't think he's going to leave the Mets. Kevin Gossman is someone I'd take a look at. I don't think he'd necessarily want to leave the Giants unless you blow him away with an offer. Carlos Rodon is in the same boat as Syndergaard. We had a really great season but A, I don't really know if he wants to leave the White Sox, considering that he had pretty good success there. And also, who knows if this season is an aberration or not. The one name that does stick out to me, though, is Danny Duffy. And I might be biased because I've had him on my fantasy team for the last three years. But I do like him, like a steady veteran 
Lefty type. The Dodgers acquired him at the deadline to eat innings effectively, but he did get injured within a couple of days of them acquiring him. So they could use him right now. Let's just say that. Uh, woof, that pitching situation in the NLCS. But um, yeah, I wouldn't mind like a Danny Duffy type, like a, a veteran whose value is pretty low because of recent circumstances, but has proven in the past that he can be in effective innings. Either just someone like that, a lefty who has proven something, but you can take a low risk on him. Maybe Erod, but who knows if this postseason performance is going to um, up or lower his value. Not sure, but it could be interesting. And another guy that I mentioned last week as well is Tanaka, because I do think he's coming back from the people that I've talked to. And if he does have interest in coming back, why not come back to New York? Um, There's a need. He's familiar. And it would be amazing, I think. I thought it was a joke when you first mentioned it, honestly. Um, I I am not. uh, I I wouldn't want him back. I think he was great. He was excellent for for the condition of of his elbow. Uh, He'll be a time bomb even more so now, even if it's for a year. Or two, um, I think the risk would be similar to Kluber, you know, saving the distance as far as endurance is concerned. Uh, uh, there will be that risk that any second he can break, and then that'll be it. So I don't know. I think I'll, in that in that case, I would rather gamble with somebody else, like Duffy, like you said, or or somebody else. I don't mind uh, Masahiro Tanaka. Actually, I wish he can come back on a one-year deal. I don't mind him at all. I think he was clutch with the Yankees. He should have stayed. I know money had a lot to do with that with uh, regards to the luxury tax. That's why he ended up leaving. But I don't mind bringing him back on a one-year deal. But all those guys, Luis, that you mentioned, the pitchers, there's some good ones on there. I mean, Bauer, you're not coming near him. Kershaw, you're not coming near him. I really know that. Uh, Verlander, I do believe he's going to end up back in Detroit. Uh, the guy that really comes to mind, and, you know, I think I said it earlier, it's Robbie Ray. Um, I hope Syndergaard leaves the Mets because that would be one guy I'm willing to throw money at because I do believe he's that great of a pitcher. But Robbie Ray, keep an eye on him. Uh, I know Toronto is going to try to keep him, but there's a special relationship with him and the pitching coach with the Yankees uh, and uh, the bullpen coach and Mike, Hart, uh, uh, Mike Hart, uh, Hicker, or whatever his name is. I forgot. Uh, but Robbie Ray, uh, I think I think he'd be good. I think the Yankees tried to chase him for the last three years and it didn't happen. But I know he's gonna bank this year. He's gonna try to go after the money. But uh, there's my there's question there. Out. Yeah, go ahead. My, my my question there would be both are both Robbie Ray and Gossman for real? Whereas Robbie Ray, you, you really signed them for two to three years for a decent money based on the one spectacular. Robbie Ray, to me, is better than Gosman. Gosman, I'm not touching him. I will not touch him. I think he's perfect where he's at. Whoever wants to throw money, good luck. Because I do believe Simeon's going to be a bust if he ends up leaving Toronto, and Gosman's the other guy that I believe is going to be a bust. I don't believe in him. I think he just, you know, just like Robbie Ray, he had a run good year, but I think Robbie Ray can continue. Robbie Ray's shown success, but Gosman, I'm not. Whoever throws him $100 million, well, good luck, because I don't see him doing anything unless... He stays in the National League. That's just my opinion. But I don't, I don't see him. Like let's say the Yankees were to sign him, I think the Yankees were regretted. Like they regretted a lot of the pitchers that they signed and traded for. But Robbie Ray, I, I, I believe. Him. I think he has the stuff, and I think, uh, I think he'll be actually perfect in Yankee Stadium to go along with Garrett Cole. But 
I think the Yankees on the trade market, I think the Yankees for the pitching market, you could sign, but I really do believe a trade market would actually work in their favor in order to get pitching, to be honest with you. And, you know, guys with control, which they really like, they always trade for guys that have controllable years. So I think the trade market would be perfect. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I don't see the Yankees busting out 100 mil for a pitcher. I just don't see it. I can see it for a shortstop, but not. Uh, you know, like I said, for shortstop, um, alternate Simmons should, not, should be on my death wish. I do not want to see him in the Yankee uniform. I don't care how good his defense. Well, his defense actually fell off, so I really don't want to. You're not gaining nothing with him. His bat blows. His defense fell off. So what are you gaining with him? You're just better off putting Gio Urshela. Gio Urshela could hit. But Man, I'm going to send a poster of Andrew Simmons to your address in Detroit, Kassam. How about that? Please, please. Man, I, can't, <laughs> I can't bear it. I just can't bear it. I don't want to see him there. Go go somewhere else. I don't. They ain't, there's a reason why the Angels in Minnesota good, cut him loose. There's a reason for it. He was on the Angels and they cut him loose. Don't get out of here. The good news is I do think we may actually get a pretty good pitcher because the Yankees are so gung ho on bringing Angelton Simmons in. We'll likely try to wine and dine him to recruit him to the Yankees. So we'll see if Simmons accepts. I'm sure the Yankees will bid everyone for Simmons because they love him so much and they really view him as their next shortstop. But because of that, I think we may get a very good pitcher, hopefully, with the leftover money after we uh, bring Anselton Simmons to the Well, Max, you give me the uh, you give me the source, and I'll probably follow him and find him. <laughs> okay, on that note, uh, we are well past an hour now, and Coles and I do have other commitments to get to. So, we close out every offseason room by going around the horn and asking you guys to name the one guy you want the Yankees to add to the roster this offseason. One name only, no explanation, just stated name. Coles, start with you. I'll stick to my previous one. It's going to be Corey Seager. Kazem? Andrelton Simmons? Um, no, no, jeez. I, I, I guess we're doing the same thing just like last week then, right? Yes. Okay. Well, you guys know my dream and who I want, pitchers, shortstop, and all that. But like I said, I'm going to stick with it. Starling Marte. I'm going to go with uh, Corey Seager is who I think the Yankees should. I'd like Max Scherzer, but being more realistic, I would love to bring Andrew Heaney. I hope you nailed it. <laughs> uh, Seager, just like last week, Seager. Before the playoffs started, I thought that Cody Bellinger could be available for a lower-level prospect. I have since changed my opinion, but Cody Bellinger is still a guy I'd look at to play an elite center field for the Yankees. Okay, so thanks, everyone, again. This was one of the better rooms that we've done. I guess the offseason does bring out a lot of the Yankee fan in us. So we're looking forward to doing this next week. We'll be doing this throughout the offseason every Thursday at 11 a.m., be sure to follow Pinstripe Perspective on Twitter at Pinstripe, P-E-R-S, and check out PinstripePerspective.com. Coles and I are writing weekly for them. Coles had an interesting feature on DJ LeMahieu's performance drop earlier in this week, and I will have something out either today or tomorrow on the manager situation. So look forward to that. And Coles, where can the people find you? I can be followed on Twitter at rcoles0206. You can also follow Pinstripe Perspective on Twitter at Pinstripe P 
P-E-R-S. You can also follow Pinstripe Prospects on Twitter at Pinstripe Pros. If you want to get all the best minor league updates and news in the Yankees organization, that is the place to go. Um, they do a great job. But yeah, that is about it. Again, thank you everyone for joining us again this week. It means a lot. And these are, as always, a ton of fun. And you can follow me on Twitter as well at underscore CTO. That's at underscore C-T-O-H. And you can also follow Standing Room Only, that blue icon in the followed by speakers section. Links out to our Twitter and Instagram at Ezra Baseball. Check out the videos we are dropping there, looking at baseball through a little bit more of a humorous lens. We think that you'll enjoy it and we'll appreciate it if you took some time to check it out. Thanks, everyone. Have a great rest of your day. Go Yanks. And let's hope the Red Sox lose tomorrow.